0: Nobody can shame you. You allow people's thoughts and reactions and words to trigger a thought about you. And that thought then creates a feeling, and you assign
1: meaning to what they're saying. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with my good girlfriend, entrepreneur and master coach, Rachel Luna. She says that we were all built to survive. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to my purpose chasers and my OG listeners. I am so excited because of all the feedback you've been giving this month about this Powerful Woman series, it has been phenomenal. We kicked off with Maddie James, and then last week we talked to Sarita Maybin about asking for what you want, and now we are closing up with my girl, my good girlfriend, Rachel Luna, who is reminding us that we are built to survive, but she is a confidence coach, and honey, she got me together during this interview, okay? Thank goodness I am coachable. If you know you are culturable, then this is the episode for you to listen to. Now, listen, if you are new to Redefining Wealth, welcome. I am so excited to have you here. Here's what you should know. We are a community that believes that wealth is more than money and material possessions. We believe here that wealth is all about well-being. And so we live our lives based on these six foundational pillars. And I want to invite you to go back in your podcast app all the way to the beginning and get those Pillars down. Understand what they are. Start to incorporate them, and keep coming back week after week. Go ahead and subscribe because once you hear this interview, you want to stay around. You you gonna want more of this. Go ahead and subscribe. And for my OG listeners and purpose chasers, make sure that you're still rating and reviewing because all of that really, really does help. And it is a great way for you to support the podcast. Now, another way to also support the podcast if you are a small business owner or a solopreneur, then we have some highlight opportunities for you. That means that um, coming up really soon, we've been taking applications and taking applications, but I want to use the podcast as a platform to amplify your message. If you have something that is in alignment with the six pillars, which is why you need to know all about them, and you believe that this highly engaged, high achieving audience of predominantly women, about 85% women, could be served by what it is you do in the world, then head to patricewashington.com backslash podcast ads, patricewashington.com backslash podcast ads, and you'll get more information about what we have available. I think that especially as women entrepreneurs, we should make this a win-win and support each other. So if you're down, I'm down. Let's just see if it's a fit. And I can't wait to start rolling out uh, all the women we already have lined up. I'm really excited about what you guys are up to in the world. Okay, so... Let me tell you about my girl. Rachel Luna is a best-selling author, international speaker, sales confidence strategist, and master coach. A former U.S. Marine, this four foot 11 inch firecracker has a rock steady reputation for inspiring confident action and helping her clients double, triple, and quadruple their income. She's the host of the podcast, Real Talk with Rachel Luna, where she dishes on how to gain more clarity and confidence in life and business. Please stick around to the end because I am making a big announcement. Rachel and I have a little something going on. So stay tuned so you can hear all about that. Now, without further ado, here's my girl, Rachel Luna. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Rachel. Hello, hello. Oh, Lord. Here she goes. (laughs) (laughs) This is why you can't bring your friends in real life on stuff cuz they just they cut said before you can you, even start recording. You said be the be
0: the real full Racheliest Rachel you can be. Don't ask me to be me and then get mad when I'm me. Like <laughs> I don't know what you I'm were not, thinking.
1: I'm not mad at all. I just know <laughs> that I surveyed my community about how long these episodes should be and we kind sure. of went for like 40 to 45 minutes and I'm already like mm. That's probably not going to happen with Rachel, But we shall do our best. We shall we do will our do our absolute best, ok. So Rachel, I have to let everyone know that we met. It's already been like four or five years. almost Yes, five years girl, ago. almost five years ago. We both won Stiletto Women in Business Awards. That's right. Wow. Shout out to Stiletto Women. Yes. And so we met in Ohio somewhere. I don't even remember. Girl,
0: girl, in Cleveland, Ohio. And I remember getting on the plane like, who goes to Cleveland? No shade if you live in Cleveland. But I had just never been there.
1: <laughs> that was what you thought. Who yeah. goes to Cleveland? Well,
0: what's in Cleveland? Who goes to Ohio? Well, it was really more like
1: Ohio. Why would I go to Ohio? No, I think we were in Columbus.
0: Columbus, really? that's wow. what it is. No, 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 Columbus.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I just spoke in Columbus recently. So shout out to Columbus, Ohio. What's
0: up, oh. Columbus? Thank you for bringing Patrice and I together. We love you, all of Ohio. <laughs>
1: But ever since that time, it's funny when you are in those types of spaces, because some folks you meet and it's just like a fleeting thing. And then mm-hmm. some people you just latch onto and you take into the rest of your life. Forever and, and ever. You have been one of those people for me.
0: And likewise, you I have not kept into I I don't even. Uh, so not not nothing happened. Don't get crazy now. But I don't even talk to the woman that nominated me for that award anymore. She just I don't know where she is. She fell off. But you and I have just remained through the
1: years. And I'm grateful for that. I am, too. I mean, we've had many great chats mm-hmm. Uh The minis have played together. Yeah, I was
0: about to say the minis have played together. My girls still ask about your daughter. When can we go back? I think it was more because they had a good time and you guys have a trampoline.
1: Right. The trampoline was like, that's the winner. That was the winner there. It wasn't really so much us. I understand. We had some good laughs, a few cries, a Mm -hmm. few prayer moments and all that good stuff. And so I am so excited to have you or to get to share you, I should say, with my community. Um, now I know that most people know you for helping folks confidently become better salespeople really in their business. Right.
0: Well, you know, can I just like, let me just dispel a little myth about that. Yeah, so what I really do is I actually help people become more confident to take action in anything. Mm -hmm. Now, I teach sales because I recognize that people will admit that they have a problem with sales before they admit that they have a problem with confidence. You have to know who you're talking to. You have to understand what the external problem is, right? The external problem is the problem that your audience thinks they have. That's what they're willing to pay for. Mm -hmm. Um, But the internal problem is is what they really need help with that they may not be strong enough to admit is a problem.
1: Or even aware yet.
0: Or even aware yet, which is why it's so important to have that content leading up to it where you are reminding them of the problem and the issue.
1: Yeah, I've found that too with, you know, my personal finance expert days, if you will, that, you know, people would think that the issue was, I don't know how to budget or I don't know mm-hmm. anything about credit. But then obviously that's where redefining wealth comes from. Because once we start doing the work, I would expose people to all the other things. It's like, no, you have a people problem. Mm-hmm. Like budgeting is the least of your worries. You don't mm-hmm. know how to say no. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you're just not taking care of yourself and all these other things. So I used to say that, I would kind of trick people (laughs) Mm -hmm. like like my goal is to trick you, not my goal, but like I have to get you in and then show you what you actually needed. That's the
0: sales vehicle. That's the vehicle. And I teach people like you have to understand very clearly what your vehicle is. The vehicle is what gets people in the car. You're going to take them on a journey that they did not even see coming. And you're going to give them what you promised them when they, you know, you're going to give them the car that they bought. And you are going to use that car to take them to a place they could never have imagined going by themselves.
1: I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, so what I love about this whole thing though is because I've gotten to know you more intimately over the years, what's so amazing to me is that as confident as you show up and as beautiful and the family and shout out, congrats on the new house. Thank you. um, Which looks amazing. I can't wait to- Manifested that. I know, I can't wait to come to Florida and um hang out in that in that pool in that backyard. Yes, with girl, me. Come on over. <laughs> but we know that it wasn't always that way. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that is really foundational here, it's our first pillar, which is the fit pillar. And in it, I always talk about not just being physically fit, but being mentally fit, because mm-hmm. you and I both know that many of us, and we've definitely, I'm sure been guilty of this in different seasons of our life, we are praying for things that we just don't have the capacity to mentally sustain. But we're not not really there yet. And I love that you have been so transparent about different challenges that you've had over the years. And especially when you were younger, the eating disorders Mm -hmm. or battling with depression. Can you kind of share how you know, just how this journey started out for you because it wasn't all roses. No,
0: and it's still sometimes not roses. Like let's just, make. I have an issue these days with social media and how everyone is portraying this perfect life that nobody has. There are, I don't get me wrong, I have an amazing life now, but I also cry at least once every two weeks, a good, hard, ugly <laughs> okay. cry. Okay. Right, like you. <laughs> it's just part of the game, and you got to be okay with that. But no, it, it. I I had a really rough time in life in general. Um, just what, it always felt like just as soon as I was recovering from one thing, something else would come. Um, you know, my my biological mom died when I was three of AIDS. My father had AIDS, and he was an alcoholic Then I became an alcoholic. I had all these eating disorders. You know, when I was strong enough to be anorexic, I didn't eat for, you know, weeks at a time. When I couldn't control myself, I was bulimic and I would stuff my face and then, you know, make myself throw up. And then I was on three different antidepressants, like one upper, one downer, one keep you in between. And <laughs> I... I remember feeling like a mess, just a mess, but I was a very high functioning mess. And I feel like there's someone out there listening who is also a very high functioning mess where to the outside world, you look like you have it all together. And I remember people congratulating me and, and always praising me like, you're so strong. You've been through so much. You're so strong. And they just did not know what was happening when the doors were closed. Mm -hmm. And, And even in my own marriage, like my husband had no idea when I had a relapse with depression, how depressed I was where I would cry in the bathroom or cry in my closet with a towel in my mouth so that nobody could hear me, but I would literally be screaming into the towel. And that level of pain is palpable. You feel that level of pain in every cell of your body. Mm -hmm. Um, But before, even before I got married, I remember going through, uh, oh my gosh, it's not embarrassing, but at the time it was embarrassing. Um, I had found out that my on-again, off-again boyfriend of three years was happily married. Mm -hmm. And like, (laughs) I had been planning a life with this guy. We were going to move to Japan and have these kids and whatever. And like, oh, just kidding. He's married. And at the time I was still in the Marine Corps and I was a little overweight. And I remember one of my commanders saying to one of my COs saying, I would rank you higher on the Christmas tree. Christmas tree was like this grade scale that we would get. And the higher you were on the Christmas tree, the better Marina indicated you were. And so he said, I would rate you higher if you lost 10 to 15 pounds because you don't look good in uniform. And I remember being thinking to myself like you sexist. And I said to him, I said, sir, I am below my height, weight minimum. He said, yeah, but you don't look it. And it was painful because like, you're constantly being reminded that you have to look apart. It doesn't matter that you can do all the things that Meet the requirements. If you don't look the part, then people automatically assume you don't have the skills and the talents and the capabilities. Um, is what he he made me feel in that moment, mm-hmm. or or the meaning that I assigned to that conversation. I was also over forty thousand dollars in debt. So now think about this. I'm heartbroken. I'm fat and I'm broke. <laughs> I mean, my life. It felt like my life was over, but I knew better. I knew that God had not led me all the way there to just leave me hanging. And I also knew that even though I had already been through depression before and I was starting to feel depressed again, I had been delivered from using drugs, uh, like, you know, mental illness drugs, like depression drugs. And by the way, if you need to take those, I'm not knocking you do whatever is best for you and whatever care plan you've worked out with your provider. I just know that there was a moment in time where I decided I am not going to rely on this. Mm -hmm. I know that God can pull me through this. So I had extreme faith in what I could do if I put my faith and trust in the Lord. So I hired a life coach Mm -hmm. to get it together. And I remember working with her and she said, you would be a phenomenal life coach. Excuse me. And I said, girl, bye. What are you talking about? (laughs) Right. who's going to listen to me? I'm overweight. I'm in debt. Like my boyfriend is married. And, you know, I mean, he wasn't my boyfriend, but that was, it was still fresh. And she said something I'll never forget. She said, but you have, there's something that's so magnetic about you. And when you overcome this, people are going to ask you how you did it and they're going to want you to help them do the same. And I remembered hearing that like your mess could be your message and, you know, your test would be your testimony. And so right then and there, I realized like, yep, every single thing that has happened in my life has happened for me so that I can help somebody else. And I had all, I've always been a natural life coach. I've always been the one that people come to, um, and also, There's a difference between a coach and a consultant. And I wanna make sure you understand the distinction and a mentor, right? So, a coach's job is to ask the powerful questions and to provide guidance. A consultant gives you advice, a mentor gives you advice. And so, if you're thinking about becoming a life coach, right now the life coach profession is not regulated. So, technically, anybody can wake up and be like, I'm a life coach. I don't recommend you do that because I think that when you do that, you are playing a very dangerous game. I think that you should spend some time and invest in getting certified through the International Coach Federation policy. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they're going to teach you how to ask powerful questions. They're going to teach you how to listen. They're going to show you how to lead someone without influencing your own ideals on them. And that's very important. So I did the work myself. I got, I lost all the weight. I have, man, I weigh less now than before I got married and had kids. I lost all the way I got out of the debt. Not only did I get out of all of that debt, but in less than three years, I got out of over $40,000 in debt. And I saved up enough money to buy a brand new off the lot car in cash. Wow. Girl, that was God. (laughs) Um, And then I decided, well, let me go ahead and monetize my pain.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, but most of us really do find our purpose Mm -hmm. in the midst of these problems and pain, right? Mm -hmm. Like I really don't believe, like I always say here that any of the things that we've experienced were just happening to us, Mm -hmm. they were happening for us. Mm -hmm. And I believe so we could really Explore, you know, like what it really takes to see ourselves get to an, another side of something. Like yeah. because if it was so easy, there would be no reason to go deeper. There would be right. no reason to put on your big girl draws and like do the work and figure it out and ask yourself the tough questions and and get the support you need. Like there'd be no reason to. And. Right. Without those tough times, where would you be? I have to say, because you already mentioned that you're a woman of faith. Mm -hmm. And so, one of the things that this community struggles with from time to time, based on what I read in um, my DMs and the emails that I receive, is knowing when you need to just stop and wait on the Lord versus Mm -hmm. investing in the help of a life coach or Mm. going to therapy or getting the Practical, tangible support that you need. Mm -hmm. How did you figure out how to incorporate a mix of both?
0: Well, first of all, I believe in actively waiting. I don't necessarily. (laughs) 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 I mean, yes, wait on the Lord, that is biblical. But that doesn't mean wait and do nothing while you're waiting on the Lord. No, wait on the Lord and pray, wait on the Lord and journal, wait on the Lord and try something. Because listen, when God does not, when God is really saying like, hold on, you are operating out of order. He'll shut that down. Mm -hmm. Um, And now sometimes he doesn't because there's free will. But what I have come to learn, at least in my experience with God, is that he will tell you listen, bad idea, and you will start to trip and find different ways. What I think people do is that instead of when God is saying, hey, bad idea, instead of listening and then taking a moment to say, well, what what does this really mean? Do you want me to stop, Lord? Or are you testing my faith? They just automatically think like, oh, well, that didn't work out easy. So hiccup, I'm going to give up now. I don't believe in that. I think God tests our faith from time to time. Why do you think that when Peter stepped out of the boat on faith, he could see the wind coming? First of all, how you see wind, okay, that's a whole other level. But hes why would God send wind when he was when Peter was out there walking on the water? It was a test. And so you have to be willing to pass the test. And I don't think a lot of us are willing to pass the test. A lot of us think that just the fact that we showed up to take the test Was the challenge enough? And so we should just automatically access granted, pass me to the next level. No. I don't know if I answered the question correctly there, but I went off on a tangent. Um, Waiting on the, I, (laughs) I just believe in taking action and I really listen to God. And sometimes I hear God say one thing and I still do whatever I want. And I notice that sometimes when I do whatever I want, even though he already told me not to do that, he just lets me. Cause yeah. he's a gentleman and that's called free will. <laughs> Long story short is the more, you know, God, the more, you'll know his voice, the more, you know, the word.
1: I completely agree with you though, um, about feeling like, well, I see a test was placed in front of me and, and the acknowledgement <laughs> of that means like I something, I don't know, but not actually going through and being willing to pass the test. Mm-hmm. And it's not past, it's not go past it. It's mm-hmm. not trying to go around it. It's not trying to, you know, get it mm-hmm. from the table and act like it, it's not there and you don't have to address it. It's literally doing the work, mm-hmm. studying, showing yourself approved to mm-hmm. pass PASS the test. Okay. And many of us are not willing to do the work, but we want the reward of what's on the other side of passing the test.
0: Girl, say that again. I was so frustrated this morning. I can't really remember what set me off. But it's just so interesting how so many people will say, well, I want this. I want this. I want this. I want the result, but I don't want to do the work. Uh, That's all of us. We all want everything without having to do something for it. Duh. I'll take free. If somebody just wants to drop a million dollars on my front door, I will take it. However, I also recognize that work is involved, but I think that people get confused with what work means and they automatically assume that because the, the word work is involved, that it's going to be hard and laborious and it's going to beat them down. I don't know about you, Patrice, but I have spent many a day working a 16 or 18 hour day and feeling refreshed afterwards.
1: Yes. yes. Yeah. Cuz I, I was doing what I love, lift yourself up from your desk or your seat or whatever. Yes, You're and like, matter about it. <laughs> You're like, "Ma'am, 15 hours have gone by. Like, knock it off. You you, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you do need to get up and move on. But, you know, that's a whole nother thing because I know that you can identify with this as a coach, back to people just not mm-hmm. wanting to do the work to pass the test. Mhm. Um, is you run masterminds and coaching Mm -hmm. programs and all this stuff. And I think one of the most frustrating things is reading an intake questionnaire, for example, or doing a breakthrough call with someone and they have this laundry list of things that they want to get accomplished. And then you allow them in the group and they don't want to do the work. Like There's an excuse every step of the way. I don't know how you handle this, but I most recently have just started like refunding people where we are. Like, you know, because I want to actually help people create a transformation in their life and mm-hmm. you being lazy and unwilling to do the work and feeling that you signed up was like oh well I showed up for the test it's like showing up for the mm-hmm. SAT sitting here in, in a classroom in taking the test and you just sitting there looking at them time I really want to get into Harvard and Princeton but you're you not go. doing anything. <laughs> like ma'am I would rather send you home put your little stuff in your backpack call your mama come get your ride, like get your ride and go. Oh, but you're better than me because I will send you home, but I'm not
0: sending you home with what you came with.
1: Wow. You don't get
0: to come into my program and take up a space that someone else wanted and not do
1: the work and then get your money back. I don't think so. No, I mean, for where you are, meaning like not if you pay half and half, mm-hmm. like I don't care about your other half. Just go like oh, that. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I do, yeah. no. no, no. Well, you said refund. <laughs> you said refund. Uh-oh, so we got not, be not refund. No, yeah. yes. I'll just cut you off. Like, obviously, you don't want to do this. Um, and here you go. And but actually, to be honest with you, some of my programs, no, some of my programs is whether you're going to continue or not, if you're not going to participate, and I don't feel this is a good fit, you're out and I still keep your money. You know mm-hmm. why? Because when you put that option in front, sometimes you have to give people no option but to sink or swim. And so when I tell them, you don't have to be part of the program, but I will continue to run your card every 30 days as scheduled per our contracted agreement. All of a sudden, they seem to show up, had to have this conversation the other day with a client. She's like, I'm just ready to quit. I said, well, I don't allow quit. Like quitting is not an option with me. You can quit, but you will still be paying for the next five months. So do you want to keep going and actually get a return on your investment or do you just want to give me money for the next five months
1: for nothing? That's good. I definitely have to, I thank you so much for sharing Mm -hmm. that. Like that is, that is really a great point because it's not so much about, you know, there's a difference for me between people who are genuinely having a challenge and Mm -hmm. just pep talk and people who, literally don't want to really pass the test. Yes. Like, like they just, they they are comfortable being stuck. Like mm-hmm. they are comfortable. It's just like what you talked about when, you know, that CO told you about your weight and you're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, and I'm heartbroken and I'm in debt and I have all these things going on. It's like, it would it would have been very easy for you to just sit in that, Rachel. Oh, it could Like, especially totally. with the background that you have, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it would have been completely... People would have given you passes for yeah. doing nothing. They would have been like, you know, that girl, her mama died when she was three. Mm-hmm. And she has siblings that she separated from. Like they could have made up so many different explanations. But they
0: did, Patrice. They did. People did that for me my whole life. I was in therapy since, since I can remember because of the trauma that I had sustained. And every therapist up until I was about 23 pacified me. None of them helped me have breakthrough. They all just kept me as, you know, a bankable hour. They let me cry. They let me live in my excuses. And one brave therapist said, you are not a victim, but you keep living like you're one. Mm -hmm. And I'm, that's not how I work. And I remember walking out of that office angry. I, mm-hmm. I'm never going back to her. Who does she think she is? Da-da-da-da. She doesn't know my, like, I mean, all the things. But then I went back the next week because I was going to tell her about herself. <laughs> and she was just like, I'm glad you're back. I didn't think you were going to come back. Wow. You don't seem like the type of person that would come back. And she just like, ooh, because she, she challenged me. She She basically said, That I was right in all of my fears. I was right. I wasn't good enough. I was right. I was never going to make it. I was, and I did not want to be right. And so I had to have that man, that woman changed my life. I can't remember her name, but I see her face. I can remember her office. And I only worked with her for a very short time because then I got transferred to um, another state. But she changed my life. And here's the point I want to make to you and to anybody that's listening, that's working with clients or even, you know, people that they care about. Don't be afraid to go before you cut someone off, Mm -hmm. go in on them, hurt their feelings, offend them, because you're either going to offend them to have a breakthrough or you're going to offend them to do what they were going to do regardless. So it doesn't even matter.
1: Thank you for that. That is mm-hmm. so. That is really good, and I'm I'm truly going to incorporate that. And I love that because my my goal is not to allow my clients to live in their excuses. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, the clients that I've been more comfortable with, I feel, you know, I'm like, look, now you know, I love you, but here we mm-hmm. go, and I go, uh-huh. in and they yeah. know, they yeah. already know what it is but sometimes there's just those, those, and I rarely get this, but when there's I do, always
0: going to be one girl, there's always
1: one. But oh I, what my. I love that you're saying is I don't even get to make an excuse for mm-hmm. allowing them to mm-hmm. live in their excuse. Like just because it makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And because most of the time, it's not even about me being uncomfortable. It's about me not wanting them to poison the group dynamic. Yeah. I do see how it could raise um you know, it can just raise the energy of everyone in the group by by doing what you 're saying mm-hmm. and going in on that person, obviously not in the group, but like going in on that person and, and really helping them hopefully see what 's possible if they will just like freaking sit down and take the test <laughs>
0: oh, I, I go <laughs> in on the, them in the group I go in on them in the group Ooh. I do I do as a matter of fact, this just happened and I was writing about this in my book, Girl Confident, y'all. Um, okay, Patrice, you know how long it's taken me to get this book done. But anyway, I was just writing about this because this happened recently at an event. I had a small mastermind. There were 12 women and I had this client that I've worked with before who she just wants to hold on to her stories. Yeah. And I, you cannot, you cannot work with me and hold on to your stories and expect me to just Be there like everything is everything. And what really drives me crazy is if I've already coached you around something and you keep coming back with the same mess, you get two, you get two. And on the third, you get called out. And if you get embarrassed, that's your own fault because you knew better than to come into my house with the same baggage that I told you to go take out and put in the trash can. Right. So she came into the group and she was crying and she was going through all these things. And I was with her. I was in, in it with her in her pain. And she felt like a victim because her mom, some, some things had happened to her and her mom did not realize that, that she had been hurt that way. Mm-hmm. And she made it mean that her mom didn't care. I said, but how did she know? I said, do you think she should have known? She's like, I would have known. I would have known if my kids, I said, no, you wouldn't have. You mm-hmm. know how I know? Because some things happened to me when I was a kid. My, my godmother raised me that, and I call her my mom. I said, that my mom didn't know. And they were happening right in her own home. So how could she know, did you ever tell her? And she was like, no. I said, is she a mind reader? She's like, no. And I was like, okay, then you're too often we're expecting people to know how we feel and know what we want because they should just know. Mm -hmm. I don't like, stop expecting people to be mind readers. So I tell her this, she's crying. The tears are like running down her chin. So I bring her a box of tissue and I put the tissue right in front of her and we continue on with the session and she does not grab a tissue to wipe her face. Mm. And all of a sudden I realize this girl wants to be a victim. She wants us to feel sorry for her. She wants people to pity her not on my watch. You cannot, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not the coach for everybody, but I am the coach for the individual who wants a breakthrough that will remain broken. Mm -hmm. So I look at her and I said, wipe your face. (laughs) (laughs) I just put a full box of puffs plus the good stuff in your face and you are still sitting here, tears rolling all the way down to your chin because you want us to see you as a victim. You want us to feel bad for you. You want us to feel pity for you. And I feel none of those things for you. In fact, I'm angry with you right now because I gave you an opportunity to take back your power and to do something for yourself. And you squandered that opportunity. How many other areas in your life are you being given opportunities to step up and take control and be empowered with the resources available, but you want to stay stuck in this story and you want everybody to see you as a victim. So every single opportunity, everything that you want is passing you by because you won't grab a tissue. Woo! Let me tell you, it was tense. You could hear a pin drop, the mice in the room shut up. And then I thought, I said, look, I am here because I want you to have victory, but you can't be a victim and victorious at the same time. Amen. You can be a victim in certain moments and you can be victorious in others, but you can't be both at the same time. And you and the thing is that she wants to be a coach. I was like, you especially cannot lead the charge if you are wounded. So wipe your face. We're going to take a break. When you walk out that door, go wash your face. Come back in here and be the woman that I know you can be because you have power. You have authority. You just haven't claimed it. Let me tell you, she came back. She looked like a whole different person the whole time before she, her her hair had been in her face like she didn't want anybody to see she came back home girl had that tight bun slick back <laughs> her yes fresh, the, her fresh face lips sh- lipstick chapstick on everything i said now there is a woman that i would let lead me into battle come on you just gotta do it sometimes. You gotta uh, hurt some feelings sometimes. I don't care if I powerful. hurt your feeling if it means that you're gonna have a breakthrough. You don't even have to like me. You I I just wanna make sure that you go out and become the person that God created you to be.
1: Mm, that is so good, Rach. That is so good. Oh my gosh. Thanks, friend. <sighs> that was real. Nailed it. <laughs> Yeah. Like felt that in my spirit, like, and I am so convicted and that's what I love about sisterhood. And I love about being around powerful women like you, because it calls me to a greater game. Like Mm -hmm. you just made me want to serve my community so much more and so much more fearlessly, Mm -hmm. not living in the like, okay, so let me pull you to the side. No, because I'm sure that the other 11 women saw different spots in their life where they allowed mm-hmm. the same type of behavior in some form or fashion. Yes. And it was a breakthrough for everyone. It absolutely the was. Of a mastermind community mm-hmm. and being able to have those experiences in the space with everyone there. And I mm-hmm. appreciate you for being that example for me. I wanted to talk about one more thing mm-hmm. in particular yeah. with you. Actually, I have like 19 more things. Okay, but I'll try to keep it down. So okay. one thing in particular is that You have talked about before openly sometimes your resentment of being a mompreneur. Oh, yeah. And girl, I know that so many women in my community will just identify with this piece of the conversation because the struggle is real.
0: It's so real. The struggle is real. I don't like the word mompreneur. Mm -hmm. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. That is not my identity. So the, the first part of it is that we have to very, we get very clear on our identity, who and whose we are. We are not what we do, right? Being right. a mom is a role that I function in. Being an entrepreneur is another role that I function in. I don't feel the need to combine those two roles. Amen. And I don't have to justify that to anybody as well. But, you know, you call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. For me, no. Now, my resentment came in the fact that, well, you know, first of all, I did not know that when I had my daughter, both of my daughters, but my first daughter specifically, that I had postpartum depression because I'm high functioning. I I didn't know it. I didn't know it. Like. Someone post-diagnosed me. I'm yeah. high-functioning. So even, uh, just to give you a perspective, my, bro- my oldest brother passed away suddenly uh, in September. Mm-hmm. And I got on a plane on Friday to try to, to try to make it to say goodbye to him. He died like 15 minutes before I got to the hospital. So that really sucked. Um, and then on Monday, I was back home Clients and back to, to the drill. It's mm-hmm. not that I don't miss my brother and Mar. Lo- I'm just a high functioning person. I am built to survive. In fact, all of us are built to survive. Some of us just know how to survive better than others in the face of adversity. That is something that you can condition yourself to. You can actually learn how to become a survivor if you want to. If you're willing to put down your stories. So anyway, I have this kid and I don't bond with her at mm-hmm. first. In fact, I'm like, that love that they said you're supposed to feel, everyone told me that you're going to fall in love with your kid and it's going to be the most amazing love that you've never experienced. I did not feel that. Mm-hmm. And I was, I didn't feel that for about seven years. Mm-hmm. My kid is 10 now. So mm-hmm. I just recently started loving her, like for real, for real, mm-hmm. love, Um <laughs> I you talked about this, so you know her. I completely identify. Yeah, we I've always loved her, but that kind of love that they say you're supposed I felt gypped. I felt mm-hmm. robbed in motherhood. And then I had my second daughter thinking this time was gonna be different. And again, now this one I loved her a little more off the bat. It was a little different, but it still wasn't that like take my breath away. I just want to live my life for you. Like that's not, and I still don't want to live my life for my daughters. However, what I discovered was that I resented the fact that I wasn't the kind of mother I thought I would be. Mm-hmm. growing up, I thought I was going to be the Betty Crocker mom and making the cupcakes and the cookies. And then I tried to do it with my kid and she spilled flour all over the place and I had to clean up and nobody was helping me. And I felt so resentful because now my life wasn't my own. Now, anytime I wanted to schedule something, I had to worry about like, are the kids going to be home and who's going to help me and who's going to clean? Like, I just hated it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I get so mad about it
1: because you know what, though, I think it's so important to have this conversation, which is Mm -hmm. why I brought it up. And, you know, my daughter and I have had to talk about this over the years because Mm -hmm. I was the same I was the same way and also built to survive high functioning. So Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that something was wrong. And I put on the fact that she was born prematurely, extremely Mm -hmm. prematurely. And so they took her away immediately. Oh,
0: this, that um, happened with my first daughter. She had, a, sorry to interrupt you, but she had a growth in her little private area. So they put her in the NICU and but God, Yeah, same thing. Yeah,
1: it was like, so that, you know, they flashed her in front of my face, but I didn't even really see her. Like it mm-hmm. was so quick. And then I didn't see her for a full 24 hours. I had mm-hmm. to get about it, about it with my nurses. Like, look, I want to see my baby. Like I was mm-hmm. getting ignorant by that point. It's <laughs> the so, best way to be. Yeah. And then she was in the NICU and I couldn't really touch her like mm-hmm. at first and all this stuff. And so I was so angry. I was like, they messed up that moment because mm-hmm. on the TV or in the movies, I'm supposed to see her, hold her, put her against my chest, look mm-hmm. at her, in her face and have this like fall in love, miraculous moment. But Patrice, mm-hmm. I had that. I, I so in
0: Germany when you deliver a baby, they tell you reach down, you pull your own baby right from out from inside mm-hmm. of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's pretty cool that you that they they help you do that. But so I had that, and I I nursed her like within moments of her being born. Like I had all the storybook moments, but the feelings did not follow, and I couldn't figure it out then. But now, ten years later, I realized that my Thoughts were impacting my feeling. Mm -hmm. When my daughter was born, I was really scared. My husband and I were not married. We, I didn't know if he was going to marry me because you know we were really just supposed to be a fling. I didn't want to get married just cuz we had the kid. Like there was so much uncertainty and I I actually when I found out I was pregnant, I didn't even want to be pregnant. Like it was just all the things and so now I had this new level of responsibility and so all these feelings of like I feel alone, nobody understands this. Everyone said it was going to feel one way. It doesn't feel that way. And then fast forward, my husband and I did get married for the right reasons, not for the kid, but because we loved each other. Mm-hmm. And then we had another kid. And then I still, I, I still felt lonely. I still felt like nobody got me because all the other mothers around me, Patrice, were those like stay at home Betty Crocker moms. And they mm-hmm. were judging me for being an entrepreneur and minimizing what I did as an entrepreneur. And one mom was like, you know, I do everything for it. I couldn't even imagine working. Like, you oh know, you're gosh, missing. Out. Wait, but oh. my
1: favorite. Here's my favorite, Rachel, because everyone knows that I travel, you know, quite mm. a bit. it be like, how can you be away from her for more than a couple hours? Like I miss her when she's at school. I miss my kid. I like no one has ever taken <laughs> like all this stuff. And I'm like, Okay, listen, as much as I was called to be her mother, I am still called to be all these other things that God created Mm -hmm. me to be. Mm -hmm. Like, and so, you know, me going to be the money maven somewhere does not take away from the fact that I'm Reagan's mother. Like this, Mm is you're not about to shame me. (laughs) But I will say in those first few years, I did feel ashamed. I did feel like, okay, well, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And I didn't grow up in a very affectionate household. Mm -hmm. And my daughter is actually extremely affectionate. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it took several years. And as she got older, I would have to tell her mommy didn't grow up like that because I would find myself sometimes flinching when Mm -hmm. she would come in to like kiss me Mm -hmm. on my mouth. I would kind of back up and I finally had to just have a talk with her. And so she's grown up understanding, like, you know, my mom and grandma didn't hug me like that. You know, Mm -hmm. they didn't, we weren't a very affectionate family. It's like you in your place, I'm in my place. Everyone just hold the line for where you are, for where Mm -hmm. you're sitting. And that's just how I grew up. So I just was not even aware, you know, Mm -hmm. things because in my mind, I knew that I wasn't getting that type of affection. And I assumed that when I became a mom, to your point, I would be all these glorious things.
0: Magically, deliciously, but no. but no. And the desire
1: to compete the desire to be an entrepreneur the desire you know to just live out this full experience of all these things I wanted to do they did not go away Mm -hmm. And, and because I wanted to be a mom also like they just didn't and so it took me a few years one I was I was diagnosed after the fact too but like it took me a few years just to really find my rhythm and be okay Mm -hmm. with each of these individual roles Yes, and be able to express that in this moment, you know, this is what I need to be my best. And I'm so Mm -hmm. grateful for a husband and a daughter who Mm -hmm. have accepted me for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and allow me to be me, but also have learned that they can tell me when they need more from me. So I don't have to try to read their minds.
0: Yes. Can I just take two steps back to something you said about they tried to shame me and how you felt ashamed. Mm -hmm. And I really want us to start changing the narrative around this whole business of shame, because my belief and I'm going to back it up right now so y'all can start believing it too, is that nobody shames you, right? Nobody can shame you. You allow people's thoughts and reactions and, you know, words to trigger a thought about you. Mm -hmm. And that thought then creates a feeling and you assign meaning to what they're saying. So I didn't understand this. So I too felt like, oh, you know, know, they're shaming me. Nobody. we allow people to shame us. And when I finally understood the distinction, like you're not going to make me feel anything because I have control of my thoughts and I have control around what I make your ignorant comments mean about me. And so I had to have this conversation with one of the moms, that same mama, oh, you know, I would never, and did it because she used to throw these little digs. Mm -hmm. and like ma'am do you think I am not educated and intelligent because I see what you're doing I'm just classy enough that I'm not going to call you out but one day the Puerto Rican in me came out and I'm sorry she was just a casualty I had to let her know I said listen I'm going to stop you right there because one too many times you've made these little side comments and I'm not I'm not here for it so here's what you're not going to do You're not going to continue to tell me how to parent my child the same way that I don't tell you how to parent your child. You are not going to tell me how you would do things if you were me or why you choose not to do whatever you choose not to do. I don't care what you choose to do. You live your life and just recognize that one day your children will leave the house. So all this devotion that you have, what are you going to do five years from now when all your kids are in school? And what are you going to do 18 years from now when they're all at the house? And you've been living your life for other people, but not for yourself. Then you could talk to me about what having a fulfilling life looks like. Until then, if you want to be friends with me, we're not having these conversations anymore. Again, this was not in private. This was in front of all our other friends because I needed everybody to understand what time it was. And I knew that if I made the example of one, everybody else would fall in line. And guess what? Not only did I not feel any kind of shame, but we never had to have a conversation like that again. And our friendship is still intact to this day. You are such
1: a boss at boundaries. <laughs> like You are unapologetic like about your boundaries. And I love it. I love it. And absolutely, you know, even now that Reagan is in sixth grade. And we're a totally different school and have moved across the state and all that. I have found myself in those same conversations. And I've been much more unapologetic because I'm like, this is not a reflection of me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm doing my thing and my family is good. So mm-hmm. your opinion of me is your opinion and have at it. But mm-hmm. for those of you who are listening, who may be new moms or newer to this conversation, and it irks the heck out of you, I understand like, I have been there, we have been there. We've been there. And I understand how you feel in those moments. And man, I wish I had the words that Rachel had seven years ago because it would have <laughs> saved me from being in my story. It would have saved me from not wanting to like even be in certain circles, mm-hmm. you know, in the schools where moms kind yeah. of click up. Yeah, I just yeah. start going and sitting by myself. Like, I'm not about to fool with you guys. Let me, let me. I sit call them the,
0: the the hens, uh-huh. the hen club. They, cause they get in that little circle. Clack, 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 <laughs> clack. Um, but here's, I feel like there might be someone listening who is not as outspoken as I am. And so I just want to offer this up to you. You don't have to come out of your face with people the way that I do. That's just who I am. But you can have the conversation and say, you know, friend, colleague, so-and-so, Thank you for sharing your opinion. I just want you to know that when you say things like that to me, it does not really feel like a productive conversation. So what I would really love is for you and I to center our friendship and our conversations around something that you're both interested in, you know, the, the school or the Zumba class or the, you know, whatever real housewives. But when it comes to talking about parenting I think we have different opinions and different ideas, and I don't want to jeopardize our friendship just because we don't see eye to eye on something like
1: that. But what about people who don't deserve all that, Rachel? Like, yeah, oh, thank People you. who have these conversations, you mm-hmm. know, we're not friends because our daughters are in the same class or because yeah. our children go to the same school. Like, I don't owe you that. Yeah.
0: OK, well, that actually happened to me the other day. To an extent, I was at a Girl Scout meeting you know what I don't like? I don't like when my kids try to make friends for me with their mom. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Where at that age it was like, could you call such and such mom? And could you, no, I'm good. Thank you. I'm not calling such and such as mom. I don't need another friend. Um, I actually do want friends, but I don't need you picking on my friends because they don't pick them good. Oh, my God. (laughs) I called the one of the moms and I was just like she was I don't know. I just couldn't with that mom. But anyway, so um, they began to what the one woman that was talking, she had the worst money mindset and everything that we spoke about kept going back to money. And I just finally had to say, I said, girl, you need to read some money mindset books. If we're going to be talking about money, because I like, I can't surround myself with people that feel the way that you feel about money. It's toxic. Um, you're going to stay broke with that line of thinking. So let's just change the subject because I don't want to come out at you. I, I just let people know, like, we can't talk about this because I'm
1: going to offend you. Again, I just want everyone <laughs> to know that Rachel is all of about 4'11". Just <laughs> Like, and it blows my mind. You are so, you just, you just make me so I can't say happy. what everybody thinks. You do, you do. And I truly love you for it. Okay, so, you know, I could talk to you forever. Yes. But before I let you go, I have to ask you <laughs> these Refining Wealth Rapid Wisdom Uh-oh. questions. So just tell me the first thing that comes to mind, okay? How do you- <laughs> <laughs> okay, <go. laughs> okay, how do you define success?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, Waking up. Honestly, waking up like I'm alive. That is a victory in and of itself. That means that God has said, I'm not done with you yet. You are still of service. You can still make an impact today. Success is yours.
1: Wow. I love that. How do you define wealth in three words or less? (sighs) People, relationships, service. Love it. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? The first one that
0: comes to mind is Money, A Love Story by Kate Northrup, mm-hmm. because it was the first book that, and this was before I knew you, I really wanted it to be a Money Maven book, but I have to be honest and authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the first book that actually got me to recognize that it was okay to look at my numbers.
1: Yeah. No, I, I love that. And the more, I mean, I'm actually collecting all of these references and creating a library for the audience. So I love it. Okay, fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is
0: Rachel Luna. And for me, the truth about wealth is, it's limitless and available to me at any moment that I choose. Amen,
1: amen. Rachel, I love you so much.
0: I love you. Thank you for having me.
1: I've been (sighs) wanting to be on this show. I'm so glad that we made it happen. This conversation is so powerful and I know it's going to be a blessing to so many. And thank you for always being so unapologetic and so mm-hmm. bold and so just all of your itty bitty little 411 stuff. <laughs> I just love you to pieces and I'm so grateful that God put us together. And I mean that.
0: Thank you. I love you too, hon. I appreciate being here.
1: Was that not powerful? Come on, Powerful Woman series. Rachel is amazing. I have to text her and DM her. I don't know how often just to say thank you for being in my world, because to me, it's nothing better than surrounding yourself with powerful women. So I hope that you enjoyed this three-part series in honor of Women Histories Month. I just wanted to take a look at some of the women who are making history right around us every day just by how they show up. Just by the responsibility they take for who they are in the world and the ability to ask for what they want and to be bold about setting boundaries, man, Rachel Luna was on fire, on fire. And if you want to experience her being on fire, here is my special announcement. I was just added to the list of speakers for her Confidence Activated Live 2019 event Now, this is a two-day event focused on activating your faith, finances, gifts, business, and of course, confidence. And Rachel believes that when you activate your gifts, you learn how to sell your offers in a strategic way that feels authentic to you. I believe this wholeheartedly, and I am so excited to be able to share the stage with Rachel and the lineup of amazing women. Now, so special, we kick this series off with Maddie James. Well, Maddie James is sister, Maya Elias. And for those of you who are like super Instagram people, you probably didn't even know they were sisters, huh? I didn't. (laughs) Took me a while to figure it out, but so excited because Maya is another person, powerful woman that I follow on Instagram. Love her stuff, love her content, just love her authenticity. And I can't believe I get to share the stage with all these ladies. So meet us in Atlanta, June 1st and June 2nd. 2019. There's a link in the show notes, or you can come to my calendar, patricewashington.com backslash calendars, and check it all out. I would love to see you there, would love to meet you there. And let me tell you, this was just a taste of what Rachel has to offer. Believe me, if you want that real time coaching, you know, the way she just checked me on the podcast, if you want some of that in person in your life, then I suggest you meet us there June 1st and June 2nd, okay? I hope to see you there. But until then, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.